Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's April 12th, 1976, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. I once sold a Sega Master System cartridge for £5 and realised later it was worth 60 Did I feel silly? Well, that sort of thing pales into insignificance when you consider the business boo-boo made today in history in 1976 when Apple co-founder Ronald Wayne decided to cash out from the startup he'd established with 20-somethings Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and sell his shares, which would now be worth over $110 billion, (laughs) for his initial investment of $800. Yeah, but this would have been one of those things that was a slow burn of a realisation that he had made the wrong decision (laughs) because at the beginning it was perfectly legitimate because he thought, look, I'm in cahoots with these two young men who have no money between them. They were 21 and 25 respectively and he was in his 40s meanwhile and they were starting out this fledgling business which he thought might go under and if it did go under and there were creditors to whom they owed money then guess who would lose his house? It wouldn't be the people without the house It would be him. Yeah, and Steve Jobs' business plan was pretty hair-raising. So their first plan was that they were going to manufacture um, chips and circuit boards. But in the end, this Bay Area computer store called The Bite Shop placed an order for 50 completed computers, the Apple One. And so the issue was they didn't really have the money to buy all the parts to make all those computers. So Steve Jobs quickly took out a $5,000 loan and then he arranged to get 30 days to pay on $15,000 more worth of components to create the computers. The idea was that they would then race to build them, deliver the contract, get the money just in time to pay for all of that. But this computer store had a reputation for being really slow to pay its bills. So Wayne was justifiably concerned that if this kind of, you know, this just-in-time inventory model collapsed, he would be the one left to pay the suppliers. Okay, so how did this 41-year-old end up being in business with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak? Well, he met Jobs when he was working at Atari. Um, He was kind of a paperwork guy. I mean, he was an engineer as well, and he had a background in that, but... Um, you know, he did documentation for Atari. He he came up with processes for their offices. And again, I think that's part of the reason why ultimately when he looked at Apple, he was like, do I want to be, do I want to be trying to impose formal paperwork processes on this clearly very agile startup being run by, you know, a hippie and a nut job? Yeah. <laughs> and at this point in history, Jobs had recognised that Wozniak was something special and wanted him to be kind of Apple exclusive. So he got Wayne in 
simply just to do the talking for him. I mean, it's an astonishing reason to give someone 10% of your burgeoning company, yeah. isn't it? But it was just like, if you can spend 45 minutes convincing Steve Wozniak to work exclusively with me, you can have 10% of our company. Yeah, and again, you know, this sounds like the most disastrous business decision of all time to sell out of Apple. But he'd only actually joined Apple 12 days earlier. The contract between the three of them was signed on April the 1st, 1976. And this was a thing that basically was drawn up in for two reasons. One, to be the foundational document of of the company, but also Steve Jobs wanted to have a person who could mediate between the two of them, Jobs and Woz. You know, they were both two young and often quite hot-headed people, particularly Jobs. And so this 10% was meant to establish Ronald Wayne as the kind of tiebreaker, you know, the adult in the room who could actually resolve any uh, disputes between them. But, you know, he later said that he had no regrets about selling up. I don't know if this was true or not, but he said... You'd have to say that, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, that was his position. Knowing that, keeping in mind that, like, every single time Apple hits a new milestone, journalists go and find him again <laughs> right. to be like, now how do you feel about selling out <laughs> yeah. of Apple? But he did manage to achieve a lot in the 12 days that he was one of the founding members of Apple. You know, he, the contract specified that he would be responsible for mechanical engineering and documentation. But he also worked on the manual for the Apple One. He also designed the first ever Apple logo, which <laughs> it is an absolutely insane. It looks like a woodcut. Yeah. And it is a very, very detailed depiction of Isaac Newton sitting beneath an apple tree with a line from Wordsworth around the edge. It could not be more removed from the eventual Apple logo. <laughs> well, it's got an apple in it. It does have an apple in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he signed it. And apparently Jobs was like, get your signature off my company logo. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he quickly found it overwhelming. This is why in later years he would explain, you know, why he left. He said that trying to keep up with Jobs and Wozniak would have made him, quote, the richest man in the cemetery. Yeah. Mm. His passion, as you say, had been slot machines. And he had tried to turn it into a business several years before, but it had flopped. And he could have used bankruptcy protections to avoid paying off his creditors and his employees. But he didn't want to do that. You know, morally, he felt that was wrong. And he used his own money to pay them off. And at the end of this whole misadventure, he concluded that he just wasn't cut out for business. And he wasn't. I mean, I think we can judge by this decision. (laughs) He didn't have what people call risk tolerance, right? But I do think that traumatising failure that he had with his slot machines business before this was probably the deciding factor. He just didn't want to go through that again. Mm. And that is kind of a shame, isn't it? Because he wouldn't have gone through that again. I mean, obviously working with those two would have been hell. But it would, and it would have, you know... There were examples, even in the 90s, there was a front page of Wired magazine with the word prey on it because they thought Apple was about to go under then. It's not as if the business went from strength to strength. Mm. There were lots of ups and downs before they got to the iMac. But even so, it's almost like knowing that you could have had 10% of over $1 trillion is so hard to come to terms with that it's easier just to try and remember that original decision from 1976, isn't it, than to contemplate. Well, the one thing he does say he regrets uh, stems from his time at Apple. He actually kept the original contract that he had drawn up just 12 days before the day that we're talking about now. Uh, And in the early 90s, he sold it for $500, which he thought at the time, I guess, must have been kind of, this is as much as I'm ever going to get for this. But sold at auction for $1.59 million. So... Everything he touched. I mean, you'd revisit your cabinet and look around for all of the pens and the like, paper clips yeah. and the things that you had going on that day because guaranteed they're worth a few, a few bob. But it is true, isn't it, that richest guy in the cemetery thing? You know, the insinuation is, oh, if only he'd stayed put, he would have made all this money. But he wouldn't be staying put. 
he would be tracking this gigantic company on their enormous decades-long journey. The iPod wouldn't have come out till he was in his 60s. It would have been pretty full on, and he didn't want that. He said, I would have wound up heading up a very large documentation department at the back of the building, shuffling papers for the next 20 years of my life. And I wonder if also the personal reason of feeling like you don't want to be the guy who didn't bring very much to the equation. It's really obvious what Wozniak and Jobs represent. But he said uh, in another interview that he felt as though he was standing in the shadow of intellectual giants. And that in itself must be a daunting place to find yourself and not one that is... Easy to square, ego-wise. I wouldn't know either. (laughs) How does it feel, Rebecca? (laughs) You know, I'm the peak best of the retrospectives. You're the peak best of Apple. I've got to say, it has to sting knowing that this is why you have a Wikipedia page. I think that's the part that would bother Mm. me the most. If I was just allowed to live as a private citizen and, like, nurse my wounds, that would be fine. But knowing that, like, you're famous for Mm. this Mm. would really stick in the craw, I have to say. But he gets fan mail. When you watch the video interviews, the BBC did one about five years ago, you can see he has literally an in-tray in his office with fan mail in it. Apple fans who write to him who want to know what it was like in the early days, but also people who find his story online and rather than thinking, what a schmuck, the biggest stock trade disaster ever, actually think there's more to life than money. Steve Jobs is dead because, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I realize he had cancer, but people think, oh, he worked himself into an early grave. And you are still alive and you made a decision that was right for you about work-life balance. You've managed to live your life without Apple, and you are obviously very happy. Yes, and yet that upping of the stakes of what a terrible, terrible idea it was uh, to sell out when he did must be galling. I remember seeing this tweet about how if you'd bought stock in Apple on the day that Forrest Gump was released, and in Forrest Gump uh, there's this moment where he says that one of his friends got me invested in some kind of fruit company and now he's a billionaire. And that was back in 1994. If you had invested $1,000 in Apple on that day when Forrest Gump came out, you would be in line for half a million dollars today. So it was like the amount to which Apple continued to grow at the point when everyone was like, well, it's, you know, what a crazy thing you did selling out when, you know, when you could have been a a multimillionaire. It just got worse and worse. Tomorrow. Both of them are minting coins in their names alongside Joanna's. It's a mint off. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu.